Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, it's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. You're in the huddle on a beautiful Wednesday here in Las Vegas. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. By the way, go to their website in the um, and and uh, embajadortequila.com, Punch in the code word in the huddle and get uh, a nice discount on your next purchase of uh, of Embajador Tequila. Um, give us a call seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, get your thoughts on uh, free agency, kind of hitting that sort of slower pace uh, now for the Raiders. Um, I do believe that the Raiders are going to uh, – there's probably, a, 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 I'd say, a fairly strong probability that at least a couple of more players um, will get signed, and I'm talking about new players, before the draft. Um, you know, As far as what positions, uh, I think that uh, it's safe to assume – uh, that they're going to be of positions of of need, and you know, obviously, we're talking about the secondary and the offensive line at, at right tackle. But as we talked about yesterday, I think more and more um, the Raiders are beginning to turn their attention uh, to the NFL draft. And uh, good news for them, uh, there's some really good players at some positions uh, of need when you're talking about uh, the tackle spot and when you're talking about free agency. And I know fans. Um, you know, hey, what about a free safety? What about a tackle? What are we doing? You know, when are we going to – hey, the season doesn't start <laughs> to, uh, this week. Uh, it doesn't start for another five months. Um, OTAs don't start for another couple of months. And keeping our fingers crossed that they're going to be regular OTAs, it looks like it's headed in that direction, um, you know, with with vaccinations uh, rolling out now. And, and hopefully, what, in a month or two, uh, we'll be at 80%. That seems to be the goal. Um, you know, I think that at, 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 at that point, you know, when we start closing in on those type of numbers uh, in, in terms of the vaccination, you're going to see a lot of things, obviously, uh, continue to open up. And I think uh, football is no, no different. You know, did hear some talk from the Players Association, the head of the Players Association, about do we really need OTAs? The level of play uh, was so good, you know. Uh, no, it wasn't, actually. <laughs> Um, there are a couple things, um, you know, I'd like, love to get you guys' thoughts on this, 702-365-9200. A couple of things, uh, you know, on that level of play uh, was a little bit distorted. Uh, number one, there were less penalties. And don't, you can't sit here and tell me that wasn't by design. I think the NFL understood, um, you know, uh, some of the obstacles that teams were, were running up against in terms of the lack of preparation, you know, going all the way back uh, to the spring of last year. And the condensed training camp and, and the way meetings were, were uh, unfolding and practices and spacing and testing and, you know, guys, you know, uh, sometimes not being able to be in the building for uh, a week, you know, and then having to go play out there on Sunday. I guess what I'm saying is I think there were some provisions made. And um, I think the NFL and NFL officials essentially um, kept the flag in their pocket a little bit more than they ever have in the past. And I, I just refuse to believe that that's a coincidence. So if you want to, you know, use that as a barometer, okay. Uh, you know, the, the, the game moved along. Um, there were 
fewer penalties, but I, again, I think that's by design. But when you're talking about like tackling, when you're talking about defense, when you're talking about uh, you know um, I, you know injuries, I don't think that there was any you know change in terms of of, of injury. Uh, I don't have all the numbers, but um, you know. I, doesn't if you look at the Raiders, they sure didn't have an injury-free season. Heck, they couldn't get a. Uh, they got three plays all season from their offensive line. There were injuries, you know, all throughout the season uh, on both sides of the ball that they were dealing with. So, uh, I, if you're at, at, at the very least, if you're using the Raiders as the litmus test, uh, I don't think injuries were significantly down or anything like that. So. Um, anyway, uh, you know, when the players' association is starting, and I can he- already feel it coming. You know they're going to say, well, last year we we you know we did really well. The game the game went off as without any hitches last year, and there were no OTAs, there were no uh, off season programs. Hog wash is what uh, I, I say to that. Uh, yeah, if you want to talk about your veteran players, do they need it OTAs uh, uh, at 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 their veteran uh, part of their career? Maybe not. But there's a lot of other players, and I think this is where sometimes the players' association isn't you know. The, you have to keep an eye on and, and have the backs of all of your players, not just some of the players. Uh, and so there's a bunch of young players that I think would stand to benefit uh, by having a regular OTA and off-season program and getting into the building and learning from their coaches and communicating with their teammates and building chemistry uh, with their, you know, with their, with their fellow players um, and, you know, undrafted free agents that don't have a big chance in training camp uh, to make much noise, uh, you know, in OTAs can, can solidify themselves or, or, you know, seize an opportunity uh, sometimes. Rookie minicamp, when there's no veterans around, uh, when rookie players are able to have the stage all to themselves and, you know, you're not as a head coach uh, and a position coach and coordinators uh, getting the most reps to your to your top guys, uh, you know, because the top guys aren't there. But rookie minicamp, you're able to, as a rookie, really open eyes because you have the stage to yourself at that point. You're not competing for snaps uh, with your veteran players. And I think across the board, uh, in terms of conditioning and you know uh, getting guys into the weight room uh, in the spring in a supervised manner, uh, it just it, it it makes too much. It 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 doesn't make any sense, I should say, not to be able to have guys in the building uh, at that time of year. I'm not saying that they need to be out there doing you know Oklahoma drills for crying out loud. I'm not sitting here saying that they need to be out there doing two days for crying out loud. But the opportunity to get into the classroom to learn their craft, especially the young players, uh, you know, especially with teams that are having coaching changes, the Raiders are, are in that uh, boat right now. They have a new defensive coordinator, uh, you know, uh, with a young defense. That young defense, without an offseason last year, we've talked about it until um, our faces have been turning them blue. But that, the way the defense played last year, a young defense that had a bunch of new faces, the disconnections. Uh, sometimes uh, with that defense, guys not being on the same page, guys not knowing their uh, their assignments. Sometimes, um, you know, players thinking too much. It, it, uh, the lack of cohesiveness. Uh, I can't. Uh, I refuse to believe. I should say. I refuse to believe that there wasn't some cause and effect of not having OTAs and having a condensed training camp and the way that defense performed last year. I just refuse to believe it. I've been around football too much, too long. And I get, you know, what the what the head of the union is trying to do. Um, you know, he's trying to 
you know, limit the amount of time that players are, are, are on the field or on the practice field at a time of year where games aren't actually happening. I, I understand that. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of veteran players who would just love to be able to, you know, take it easy or not, not have to, you know, if you're not living in town, fly into Las Vegas or Dallas, Texas or Thousand Oaks, California, or wherever team headquarters are, um, you know, uh, days at a time during the off season uh, for, for a couple of months. Uh, who wouldn't want to be on some beach somewhere or work it out on your own or not having to report to work? Um, of course, that's the natural tendency in all of us sometimes. Uh, but I, don't, I think it's short-sighted if you're the Players Association. I think it's short-sighted if you're the head of the Players Association to think along those uh, terms. So, uh, you know, we're hearing some talk right now about all of that and about how there's going to be, I can almost guarantee it, some resistance by the Players Association uh, to, to implementing, re-implementing, I should say, a regular offseason. We don't know if we're there yet. Um, obviously, vaccinations uh, will come into play. Um, you know, uh, who's going to be vaccinated, who's not going to be vaccinated, um, you know, uh, where, where everything stands, the science, where we stand with COVID uh, in about a month or so when, um, you know, not even a month, a couple of weeks, actually, when, when buildings normally open for conditioning for players to come in, veteran players to come in and, and, and work with their strength and conditioning coach. So we'll see. Um, I don't agree with the unions, the, the, the stance that the union is already starting to take right here. Um, but I will say this, usually, um, you know, in negotiations, you make a big squawk about something and it, that might not even really be the thing that you're against. You're trying to use that for something else, to go get something else. So if that's what the union is doing, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I hear you. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, but I would think long and hard as a player and as a player's association about eliminating off-season programs. I just don't think it's good uh, for the sport, for young players, for the development, uh, for injuries, uh, for, for all of those things. I think it's vital, actually. Uh, to get back uh, to business and get back to some sense of normalcy. Again, I'm not saying that guys need to be out there doing the Oklahoma drill uh, or working, you know, uh, doing double days <laughs> like they, like without any water out there. We're not talking about that. Do it sensibly. Um, you know, do it prudently. Do it sa as safely as possible. Uh, but at least let guys get into the weight room and work under a supervised uh, atmosphere with a strength and conditioning coach. Coaches, let them get into the classrooms to learn their craft and learn their positions and learn their playbooks. Let them get out on the field, um, you know, uh, at, at, at some point because it all, all happens and unfolds in phases. Uh, let them be able to, to get onto the field, uh, to put what they learned in the classroom to practical use uh, on, on the field. I just think that um, we saw, to me, a level of play that in some cases just wasn't acceptable last year, regardless of how many penalties were called. Uh, there was poor tackling. Uh, there was, you just look at the Raiders defense um, and how they played. And I think that obviously coaching had something to do with that. Obviously talent level had something to do with that. But I also believe a lack of an offseason uh, had something to do with that uh, as well. But hey, on to uh, more, you know, better news basically, or, or something more pleasant. Just got back from uh, the Raiders Tavern and Bar over at the uh, M Resort uh, Hotel and Casino uh, over on the west side of Henderson. For anyone that travels to Las Vegas um, from California, uh, when, you're, when you're coming up the 15 freeway, uh, probably about 
I don't know, I guess DeMond would know a little bit better than I would, about 10 miles maybe before uh, you get to, uh, to the actual heart and soul of, of the Las Vegas Strip off the 15. About 10 miles or so before that, just as you're kind of getting into quote-unquote Las Vegas, um, uh, is, is uh, a city called Henderson. It's the, the, the west side of, uh, of the city uh, of Henderson. Uh, not too far uh, off the 15 freeway is where the Raiders' uh, headquarters are. Um, and, and, and even a little bit closer to that, to the freeway, is the M uh, Hotel. It's called the M uh, Casino Resort and Casino. Well, uh, the Raiders, in all their foresight, and, uh, and i got to say, a little bit of brilliance, <laughs> a little bit of brilliance and understanding um, ways to, to really um, create a footprint here in the new market and maximize uh, things, um, they've pretty much commandeered the M uh, Resort as their own. It's the official um, Raiders uh, Hotel. So um, it's, it's, it's the signage is all over uh, the M Hotel. Um, it, the colors are, are very uh, Raider-centric. Um, so they've, they're, they're utilizing that hotel for a lot of different, uh, a, a lot of different things. Um, and one of the things that they've done and that they decided to do, which was a stroke of genius, if you ask me, was they've opened up their own, it's called the Raider Tavern and Bar, Tavern Bar and Grill. And um, it's a upscale, uh, but not, you know, but, but definitely, um, you know, approachable type of a place, uh, comfortable type of a place, uh, sports bar. And they, the grand, op- the, the, the actual grand opening is tomorrow, uh, April 1st. Uh, but today they uh, they had a little bit of a uh, uh, a VIP uh, event uh, to kind of showcase you know what the what it's going to be all about. Um, I had to uh, cut out a little bit early. Uh, they were going to have a, an official um, ribbon uh, cutting ceremony, which happened at four o'clock. But obviously, I got to get on air and do my show, so I couldn't stay for that. But I was there uh, to taste some of the food, taste some of the drinks, um, get a look at the place, uh, and I just got to say, if you're a sports fan. If you're a Raiders fan, um, you have got to get out to this place. Uh, it is as Raider-centric as you can imagine. They've done a Well, if you want to sell job. it some more, Vinny, back up and tell us about the food. Go back. Let's, let's, let's stay on that for like a couple of more beats. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. They had uh, – I had, it was like – you know, what they did was – it was one of those, it, you know, um, it was one of those deals where they just continually brought out food to the tables, right? Uh, it was kind of bite-sized, uh, but sort of a taste of what, you know, they're going to be I saw Wagyu on. beef or steak or something. Come on. I was seeing things that I know that I'm not eating regularly. Yes. Don't hold out on there us. Was, well, yes, there was, uh, there was a little bit of that. I don't know all the names of, of, of everything, but they had some uh, Asian chicken, sa- uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of chicken salad, which was um, uh, actually my wife came with me, and she had that and loved it. Uh, there was uh, these, like, yes, very thinly sliced uh, pieces of beef that were very, very, very uh, uh, well, um, you know, uh, appointed, let's say. A nice little kind of a savory sort of a kind of a sweet and tangy kind of a sauce that they had uh, with it with some uh, uh, there was uh, asparagus and uh, a little dab of uh, very well nicely done uh, mashed potatoes kind of a classy sort of a mashed potato uh, there was a um, beef ribs uh, that they that they brought out um, there was salmon they brought out some salmon um, they brought out you know various drinks and margaritas and beers and 
you know, uh, uh, the Raiders obviously have deals with a lot of uh, a lot of different companies, um, and so uh, you know, everyone was trying to put their best foot forward. So it was kind of a little taste of what uh, is to come. And the grand opening is tomorrow. And there's, you know, from what I understand, there's a build your own burger. There's uh, there's going to be pizza. There's wings. Uh, everything that you can imagine. Uh, including what we were what we were eating uh, and drinking, and it's just really tastefully done, but it also in a very very fun kind of a manner. If you like, I said, if you're a Raider fan, there's no question that you have to make a, a point uh, to to head out there because there's a Raider store, uh, there's Raider history, all sorts of you know uh, autographed footballs, helmets, uh, jerseys. You know, uh, there's 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 uh, everywhere you turn, there's Raider history that's just uh, right there. And on top of all that, of course, uh, there's – I couldn't even count how many TVs. There was a TV everywhere you looked. Walls were lined with televisions. Um, so, uh, you know, if you go there on a Sunday for games, let's say, uh, I can't imagine that there's going to be a better place, <laughs> you know, than that, if you're, especially if you're a Raider fan, uh, to, go, to go watch the game. And uh, it's going to be open. Um, this is, listen, Demond, I'm telling you, you know, even though I come from Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas has its own way of doing things, and I love it. Uh, so that bar, um, the Raider uh, Tavern, is going to be open from 11 a.m. to 7 a.m. every single day. Although on game day, uh, it's going to be open a little bit earlier because obviously those East Coast games start at 10 a.m., so you can imagine. Uh, that they'll be uh, taking advantage of that, and uh, uh, it'll start a little bit earlier. So uh, they've got it's 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 a, a beautiful uh, patio that overlooks uh, the M Resorts beautiful pool. So there's an outdoor indoor uh, element. There's you know two bars. Uh, the food was excellent. So yeah, um, you know it's it it, it was it, it was cool, and and I and. You know, again, I give the Raiders a ton of credit because, um, you know, uh, I'm not going to point any fingers. I'm not going to name any names. Um, but uh, I lived through it, and I, I remember I remember a lot of those names. Uh, but so many people, you know, felt like the Raiders would never be able to accomplish this, um, you know, what they've done here in Las Vegas. So many people, uh, and I don't know if it's because of a lack of vision. I, I think a lot of people have are guilty of a lack of vision. And I'll even go back to Staples Center in Los Angeles. Uh, Damon, have you been to Staples Center? Only the outside. Okay, have you been to LA Live? No. Okay, like right across the street, all the restaurants and everything like that. When was the last time you were at uh, Staples Center or in that area? Around 2017, yeah. Went okay, so you, you've concert. seen LA Live. You saw the, yeah. the, the hotel right across the street and all the... Uh, restaurants and everything like that. Uh, anyway, um, uh, the, the point being is if, if you were to have seen that, where, what that looked like in 1997, 1996, let's say, um, when um, you know, Phil Anschutz uh, of AEG decided that, and the Lakers uh, the, the decided that, hey, we're going to build an arena here. We're not going to build an arena. Eventually, it's going to be an entire downtown district called LA Live. We're going to have hotels. We're going to have restaurants. We're going to have things, nightclubs. Um, we're going to build homes. We're going to build uh, you know, apartments. Um, uh, it's going to revitalize this particular area. Well, 
so many people in Los Angeles just said, yeah, right, sure, sure you are. And I don't know what it is, Damon. I really don't know what it is. Uh, but it's 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 kind of a it's it's kind of a tragic way of going through life not to have the vision of dreaming big and understanding what can be accomplished and then accomplishing that because if you would have seen the area uh, where they built all that it was desolate it was it, it was a, it was a bad scene you know but it takes vision to understand that's it doesn't have to be like that we'll put money into it we have plans to build this nice arena where the lakers are going to play the kings are going to play the clippers ended up you know uh coming on board you're going to have concerts there's going to be a theater um it, it's 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 what the rams did and are doing at sofi stadium uh, in inglewood they have this whole district that they're building but anyway uh you know the the, the point is i got one more thing did the uh, raiders bring out any heavy hitters for this um event did you see anybody um, like, involved with the team? Maybe not, not players, but like anybody involved no, with the yeah. team was there? Uh, Mark Bidane, the team president, was there. Uh, I, I, I that wasn't able to stay for the um, for the uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony because, again, I had to come uh, do the show. Uh, but um, I don't know. So I don't know who else was there at that point. But I know Mark Bidane, their, their team president, was there. But I'm looking at uh, Twitter right now. Charles Woodson's there. Wow. Charles Woodson is there. Okay. There you go. Um so, so Charles Woodson, the, the the Raiders, great. But, but getting back to my point, and I think this is important because I know a lot of listeners were on this journey um, of the Raiders trying to, f- you know, find their new home and and create their new home, and all the naysayers. There were so many naysayers, so many people who they, it can't be done, um, you know, for for various reasons. And I'm not going to get into some of the pettiness uh, that that was out and about. Um, but you know, Mark. Mark Davis and, and Mark Bedane and, and the team and the NFL uh, and the, uh, the city of Las Vegas and the state of Nevada, they did have a vision. They could think beyond their nose and see what was possible uh, and understand uh, what was out there with teamwork and, and everyone kind of rowing in the same direction. And to see it now is, 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 is really cool because there were so many people who – Said it was never going to happen. So, uh, and they they didn't just say it wasn't going to happen. Uh, they did. It, they got personal. It got personal on Twitter and you know uh, in in articles and things like that. And and the people who wrote those things and the people who tweeted those things, they know who they are. Uh, they may may never cop to it, but they know who they are. And um, you know, uh, and I it's just it's it, it's like why do you want to go through life like that? Why do you want to go through life just being all negative all the time? You know, or trying to tear somebody down, and um, I just don't—I don't get it. Um, you know, but I'm a people person. I try to root for people, and 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 you know, hope for the best, and be optimistic, and everything like that. Uh, but to so to see what the Raiders have done here uh, is pretty remarkable, and uh, you know, for for them, it's really satisfying too. They'll never, you know, get down in the in the muck and you know, point fingers and say I told you so or anything like that. They don't have to. They just have to point to their stadium, <laughs> Allegiant Stadium. Uh, and their beautiful facility in, in Henderson, uh, and and say, yeah, we knew that this was possible thanks to the help of Nevada uh, and everyone else that pitched in. Um, but we knew that this was possible, and we knew we could pull this off. But when you see things like this Raiders Tavern um, and and that element of it, and just being able to think beyond just you know a stadium or a facility and a way to to really create a footprint in a, uh, in a in a market and open your doors to you know your neighbors uh, and the fans um, it's it, it's really cool and the last thing I'll say before we go to break you go over to Allegiant Stadium now and the team store there is opened up and I drove by there uh, last weekend 
and it was just packed. People, and, and from what I'm told, it's almost 24-7. People are out there taking pictures. People are out there going to the store. Uh, it's just nonstop. And this was what I was referring to yesterday. Mark Davis didn't just do all of this for himself or his team. He did it for Raider Nation, of which he is a part of. And the pride that Raider fans have coming to see their new home, whether it's Allegiant Stadium or going over to the facility, a lot of people stop and take pictures over there. The pride for Raider Nation to see all this come to fruition is pretty cool. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Yeah, man. See, I had to come back to work, and I missed all the uh, the, the cool stuff. Uh, Charles Woodson uh, speaking at uh, the uh, the ribbon cutting ceremony uh, over at the M Resort uh, Hotel and Casino at the uh, the new Raiders Tavern. I'm just kidding. Um, I got to say though that uh, you know always feel lucky and fortunate uh, to do what I do, but some days are cooler than others, and 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 today was one of those days. Um, you know, hopefully the Raider uh, Tavern and Bar Bar and Grill is going to be there for a long, long time. But always to to say that you were there for the first of something uh, is always cool. And and again, you know, this is for the Raiders just covering uh, this journey that they've been on. And I go back with the Raiders, you know, to when they were in Los Angeles when they came to L.A. from Oakland, went back to Oakland, then were then you know couldn't get a stadium deal done there. It's tough to get things done in California. Um, and to see them land here uh, in, a, in, a, in a great new city uh, that's just growing by leaps and bounds and is a you know, fantastic market and being in a central location for their fans of the Bay Area and Southern California and Raider Nation and to see all the fans congregating over at Allegiant Stadium and taking uh, pictures, the pride that you can feel from Raider Nation for this brand new home and this brand new facility and, and now the, the, the Raider Tavern uh, and, and bar, um, it's, it's honestly what Mark Davis had uh, a vision for. It's not just for the team. Uh, obviously, they want to win Super Bowls, and that's the main and ultimate goal. Uh, but to be able to, to you know, uh, set a situation like this up uh, for Raider Nation and his great fans uh, is something that's very, very important to him, and it's very important to the organization. Uh, it goes beyond just football, even though football is what we're all focused on, and there's no question about it. Uh, but but he's got a vision for, um, for for what he wants to see and 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 you know how he wants to thank Raider Na- Nation and have a place where Raider Nation can come uh, throughout the course of the year uh, and be a part of something uh, really really special. Uh, but anyway, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend uh, Evan Grote. You could follow him at egrote five. Uh, he writes for Silver and Black Today. He's also host of uh, Just Pod Baby or yeah, Just Pod Baby. Sorry about that. Uh, Evan, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Hope everything is well. Hey, Vinny, I'm, I'm doing all right. Although uh, out here in, in western New York, believe it or not, we are supposed to get a little bit of snow in the forecast tomorrow. After uh, it was 70 degrees uh, yesterday, that's how that's how things are here, out here in western New York. So yeah, we're, we're planning on a couple inches of snow tomorrow. Well, um, all the best. We, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, it's 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 getting hot here, and I don't think it's going to relent uh, anytime soon. Um, but uh, you know, that's it, it's living on the East Coast, and I've lived on the East Coast. Uh, it could turn on a dime. <laughs> we all know that. So uh, stay safe and 
you know, uh, uh, dress accordingly. Um, but, uh, you know, Evan, you're, you're kind of a, a, a good example of what I'm talking about with Raider Nation and, you know, uh, the legion of fans and supporters and, you know, people that have been, uh, that, that, you know, follow this team. Um, I don't know your, your whole, you know, the, the background. Maybe you can share it with us in terms of, you know, how you became affiliated you know, with the Raiders, uh, you know, living right now where you do in, in Western New York. Yeah, my 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 story, uh, you know, to, to fandom to becoming a, a Raiders fan is a, is a lot different than a lot of people out there in Raider Nation. I mean, growing up in in Central New York and spending my whole life uh, living in, in in New York State, um, I didn't have the you know the the deep family ties, the deep family connection like a lot of. Raider fans do, where it's passed down from generation to generation, you know, to generation. Uh, you know, my father grew up a Cleveland Browns fan. Um, so, you know, a- as a young kid in-, in those formative years when I was, uh, you know, getting into sports and, and growing an interest for-, for athletes and starting to pick the teams that I was going to become a fan of, um, you know, that we're talking the, the-, the early 90s. Um, you know, Bo Jackson was, was one of the, the biggest stars you know, in, in sports. Um, not only was he you know, a great football player with the Raiders, but obviously the baseball success as well. So um, I really enjoyed just watching him. And, and um, you know, again, as a kid, uh, playing video games. If you recall the video game Tecmo Bowl, <laughs> it was, was really oh, yeah. big and really, pop- yeah, really popular when I was growing up and he was the most dominant player on that game. And, and that kind of also is what attracted me to, to liking Bo Jackson and, and the Raiders. And of course, uh, another thing that attracted me to the Raiders was the colors, the, the uniform, the logo. I, I just thought it was really cool. And, and as a kid, that was very appealing. And for me, that's when it all started. And, and it, I've continued to just, uh, you know, grow as a fan and, and, become more and more involved in the fan base. And now I do, I do, I write about the team and, and I cover the team with my own podcast. So, uh, you know, that, that's my story uh, as a Raiders fan. Well, uh, hopefully you'll be able to get out here, um, you know, as, as soon as possible. Uh, and I, and I think that, uh, you being, you know, somebody that's followed this team for, uh, as long as you have, and I'm going to assume that you've been to some of the various places uh, that they've called home over the years and, and, Nothing against any of those markets, um, you know. I'm, a, I'm basically a California guy, so uh, I, I, I only have love for for California. But to see what they've done here is is pretty special, and I think it's 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 just the uh, the, the start. And I think it's a great place, uh, as we've talked about, a central uh, location uh, that puts them in close proximity to their hardcore fans in Southern California and Northern California. And, um, you know, and, and a place that people want to be all across the, uh, the country and the world, really. Uh, and we know that Raider Nation uh, rolls pretty darn deep and long. So uh, there'll be fans coming around from, uh, from, from everywhere. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, and we're talking to Evan Grote, um, uh, our, our good friend. Free agency is starting to kind of die down a little bit, um, you know, uh, in checking in. Uh, there, there is an expectation that they're probably going to add a couple more players at some point. Uh, no real timeline on that, but probably sometime before the draft. I don't know what the position is, um, but we can assume uh, that they're probably looking at uh, the, the secondary and the offensive line where the two biggest holes uh, are right now. Um, are you know, I know a lot of Raider fans are like, what are they doing in the secondary? What are they doing at tackle? And we, you know, we keep reminding people the, 
games don't start on Sunday. There's no game on Sunday, so uh, they, they have plenty of time to address those needs. But your level of anxiousness on what they're going to do when it comes to two positions that right now they don't have a defined uh, s- starter for. Well, you know, uh, I've got some thoughts at right tackle. Um, you know, I think there's someone currently on the roster that I don't think is being talked about enough as a, as a potential starter at right tackle, and that's Brandon Parker. I think, you know, we all assume that uh, early in free agency they might bring in a right tackle, and that's not, that's not what's happened. Uh, and now we all assume that it's going to be a rookie that comes in uh, through the draft and, and possibly starts at right tackle, and that very well could be the case. So right now, in terms of the depth chart, as it stands right now, uh, it's got to be Brandon Parker who's penciled in as the starter at right tackle. Uh, I, I was reading an interview um, uh, that one of your colleagues, uh, Vic Tafer, did with, with Tom Cable this week, and he had he had very high praise for Brandon, Brandon Parker. In fact, uh, a quote from that interview, is, he said he's very phys- uh, physically he wasn't ready to play his rookie year, but he's done nothing but grow and, and get stronger. Uh, as long as he stays clean with his footwork, he's going to challenge to play. So uh, I think he's a guy that most of the fan base is, is probably sleeping on because he hasn't had a whole lot of success early in his career. Um, so I think he's a guy that, that they could look to. And also keep in mind Denzel Good can play tackle as well. Uh, I, I, don't, I think they'd rather play in that guard. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm not assuming that the pick is necessarily going to be um, a right tackle at 17. And, and, and so I also wouldn't uh, be shocked if they don't sign someone in free agency as well. Um, and then, and then when you talk about the safety position, uh, I was hoping that that would be a position they would have addressed earlier in free agency. Um, but they, they've kind of neglected that position at this point. Um, I, I still see a couple guys out there. I, I've heard you talk about Kenny Vaccaro, uh, Trey Boston is a guy, and Malik Hooker is also a guy who I who I've kind of had my eyes on throughout the process. He's a former first round draft pick. Um, I know he's dealt with some injuries throughout his his career, but he's still only 25 years old. I mean, there's a lot of upside there with a player like him. So, um, you know, it's my belief that they should add a veteran to the mix and, and still address it uh, through the draft as well by bringing in, a, I know, a high-impact player there as well. Yeah, and, um, you know, Brandon Parker, it's just um... – you know, I don't know, a little bit concerned about that, <laughs> you know, if you have to roll into a season with, uh, and all due respect to Tom Cable, um, you know, I think that, you know, uh, you, you, you have to say things like that right now. You have to, you know, um, create as much confidence level as you can uh, in somebody like a Brandon Parker. But I, I think it would, you know, unless he's made tremendous improvements um, between last year and this year, and this is a guy that's, you know, been in the program now for a little while, and, and each time that he's gotten his opportunity, to be frank, he hasn't seized it. Um, and, you know, they, they, he ends up basically getting, getting, get, getting pushed aside. So that would be a little bit of concern on my part if he was the, uh, if, if he was the guy. Now, if he goes and tra- – if they draft somebody or bring somebody in uh, or both, uh, and I think that they probably will do that, and he decisively beats them out, that's a whole other situation. Uh, but, if, 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 but if it's by default, Ugh, you know, I think that that would be taking a big chance, uh, but we'll but we'll see. And uh, I know Tom Cable knows what what, what he's doing. Um, it'll it's just that that would be a concern if if they rolled into the season next year uh, and, and had to do that. But we'll see. Uh, yeah, again, I, I don't think we I, talked to you I, last week. I agree with um, 
Go, go ahead. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think it's the most ideal situation, but you know, I'm 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 only going on what you know the things that I'm reading and hearing from from the offensive line coach. I agree. I, I think the plan would be to draft the rookie, and and we know that this year's draft class is very deep at tackle. They could get someone who could come in there and, and plug and play in, in round two. And and if that player should not be ready, you know, you do have some options with Brandon Parker. I don't think it's ideal to throw him out there for a full season, but a couple spot starts, I think he can handle that. And as I mentioned, you have the insurance policy and Denzel Good, should they want to slide him out to tackle, that could be an option. And you still have John Simpson who could play the guard position. So, but yeah, overall, I do agree with you as well. Uh, we're talking to Evan Grote. You can follow him at egrote5. Uh, uh, he writes for Silver and Black today. He's also the host of Just Pod Baby. All right, I'm just reading between the lines from 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 what you're saying, Evan. I almost think that you'd be leaning towards something else in that first round. I, I you know, you could poke holes in my theory here, uh, but but if so, um, where would you turn uh, in the first round? Because it sounds like you're thinking more along the lines of tackle later on in the draft, not necessarily at 17. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're you're definitely uh, reading that correct. Uh, you know, look, obviously there are still some glaring needs that we're all well aware of on the roster. Um, but I think in terms of, of this year's draft class in particular, there are many, you know, there's many unknowns out there um, that we, more, more than we've ever seen in past years because of the number of opt-outs that, that have occurred in the past year uh, during college football due to COVID, right? Um, a great example of that is, is that edge player, uh, Gregory Rousseau, out of Miami. I mean, only started one year uh, with the Hurricanes, but was highly productive in that one year, 15 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss, and then this past season he opts out. So that makes the evaluation process that much more difficult for the scouts because they just don't have uh, the, this, the tape, right? They don't have as much on film of some of these players. Um, so that being said, uh, based on some of that, I would be in favor of a trade down. Now, obviously, you have to have a partner, right? That that scenario has to present itself. Um, so I would be all in favor of a trade down scenario, unless, of course, like a stud should happen to slip, a guy like Micah Parsons. And I know linebacker isn't necessarily uh, a position of need, but he's a darn good football player. And I do think that's what this roster needs is just to continue to add really good football players um, so if they had the opportunity to to pick up some extra draft capital um, and, and take advantage of the depth at tackle this in this year's class, slide down a bit in round one, um, you could you could possibly grab one of the top safeties that are still uh, that are most likely will be available there, Trayvon Morig or Richie Grant. Um, I say you have to at least consider that move, and you could probably still pick up, like I said, a plug and play tackle. If they were to pick up an extra round two pick, say, for example, you could pick up a, a plug-and-play guy in, in round two. So um, that, that's kind of something I'd like to see. Now, the one thing I will say about that, I don't know if that's necessarily in Mike Mayock's DNA. You think about his first two drafts, uh, first two drafts with the Raiders. He drafted two players in round one that many believe could have been had a little bit later on in round one had they maybe traded back. Now, again, we don't know if a trade was presented in those situations, but I'm talking about Cleve Farrell in 2019 and then Damon Arnett in the 2020 draft. So, you know, obviously, as I have been saying, a trade partner has to, has to come about in order to make those things work. But we just haven't seen it yet uh, from Mike Mayock. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, and you sometimes wonder, you know, Mike didn't come up the, the normal path. 
as far as a general manager. I know he's he had a working relationship with a lot of uh, uh, you know personnel directors and, and and people doing what he did on the TV side, but. You know, uh, sometimes when you when you are bounce around the league or come up through the league, you know, you make you make relationships uh, and you have friendships with other general managers and other people in organizations to kind of get, um, you know, and that helps facilitate uh, trades and things like that. So I think the but I think the longer he's in this position, the more likelihood that those relationships are going to begin to build and strengthen, which probably could open the door. Uh, for some, um, you know, f- those type of trades. But while we're on the subject of free safety, and you mentioned uh, Trayvon Morig, and uh, you, you brought up a good point about, you know, the, the assessment period and guys opting out and things like that. And last question before we let you get out of here. Um, it seems like some guys are not being penalized, like literally being penalized, but just sort of cite, uh, you know, out of sight, out of out of mind, and a guy that I uh, uh, think about a, a lot along those terms is Javon Holland, uh, the free safety from uh, the safety from you know the Oregon Ducks, who going into 2020 was arguably the best safety prospect uh, in college football, but he opted out of 2020 and loses his place uh, to a Trevon Morig and and maybe a Richie Grant. Uh, but are we, you know, is do you feel like a guy like uh, uh, Javon Holland is kind of being um, penalized a little bit here because of that. Now he's got time to, to regain his status, uh, pro days and things like that, but it seems like he fell by the wayside a little bit, and talent-wise, this guy can play. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't really dove into him a ton. Um, I, I know I do know that he's one of the higher-rated uh, players at the position, and, and I do agree. I, I do think there's a lot of players out there because of the opt-outs, they are they are kind of being penalized. And I mentioned Gregory Rousseau as one of those players. I mean, um, had he had another decent season this year, you could be think, talking about him as possibly a top ten pick. I mean, any time a player uh, in, in college football with his traits, his size, his ability, uh, with, with his production that we saw in, in one year, I mean, those, those guys usually go in the top ten at his position. So now the fact that opted out, people are really kind of raising some red flags with him. Is he for real? Is this just a, a flash in the pan? You know, what, what are we going to get with, with a guy? So, again, as I mentioned, that that is the case for a lot of these players, and I think um, there, you might see more teams because of that looking to trade, trade down and, and just acquire some more, some more assets and, um, you know, slide down the draft because uh, they're, they're a little bit more unsure of, of some of these players. Um, also, one other point I do want to make, some of these players, though, have done a good job in um, kind of raising their stock. Have you seen some of these pro day numbers that have been coming out? I mean, uh, oh my really, gosh, really yes. unbelievable pro day numbers. It seems like every time I turn around, somebody's running a 4-3-8 or a 4-4, and they, you know, these linebackers who are 240 pounds running 4-4. So I do think some of these guys have really helped their case uh, to raise their stock by, by putting on some unbelievable displays at these pro days. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, just on Twitter, it's just like eye opening uh, every time I, I go through my timeline as these pro days are going off to see what these guys are doing. Just physically, the numbers that they're putting on on uh, or out there is is, is pretty remarkable. So, uh, well, you know, uh, we're we're hitting April tomorrow. Uh, that means that the draft is right around the corner, and all this, you know, uh, the void of information, the vacuum. Looking at guys being able to, you know, uh, uh, watch a guy into his senior and junior year who played in 2020 
but not necessarily for other guys who who, who opted out. Uh, it's going to make for almost a circus, <laughs> you know, in this draft. I think it's we're, we're kind of seeing that play out right now, uh, but it's going to be all coming to a head here pretty soon, and I can't wait uh, to see how it all uh, unfolds. Uh, and if you want to be in the know, uh, follow uh, Evan Grote at egrote5. Uh, he does a fantastic job. We really appreciate the time uh, today, and uh, as as always, Evan, take care of yourself, man. We'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, no problem, Vinny. I always enjoy coming on with you anytime. Thank you very much. All right, cool. Uh, that's Evan Grote. Uh, he writes for uh, Silver and Black Today and is the host of Just Pod uh, Baby. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Monsignor. What up, what up, what up, Raider fans and Raider Nation. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It is a beautiful Wednesday here in Las Vegas. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Um, you know, I know tomorrow is April 1st and all that, uh, jokes uh, aside. Uh, it just, you know, when you start thinking about the fact that, uh, okay, this month is going to be the NFL draft, and in a month from now, Hopefully, uh, you're going to have OTAs where you're actually going to be, in doing what I do, uh, be able to go out to watch a football practice <laughs> of some form or fashion. And I am anticipating that that's exactly what it's going to be. Uh, and then a month after that, you know, is, uh, is, is, is June, and, and they'll be working uh, into June. And then come July, you can le- legitimately say, Training camps right around the corner, and it just happens so quickly. It just seems to move in warp speed. It almost seems like just yesterday that the Super Bowl was wrapping up. Uh, but here we are uh, the day before the beginning of the month where the NFL draft happens, and uh, I'm geeked up. I'm fired up. It's just, uh, you know, uh, the, the way the NFL calendar, you know, unfolds. Uh, to get to this point where we're we're that close uh, to to the NFL draft is a really cool thing, and I know for Raider fans, um, you know, uh, talking to Evan Grote uh, just just now about where do you go with that 17th pick? Do you trade back? I'm not averse to trading back whatsoever. In fact, I think that it might be uh, a, a, a smart play uh, by the Raiders. Uh, you know, prey on play on somebody else's um, you know. Uh, fascination with a particular player uh, and use as as leverage to maybe move back, pick up an asset, and still be able to have access to the players uh, that, that you're, you have your eye on. It would be hard for me to believe that they wouldn't address tackle um, with that 17th pick or somewhere behind, you know, right behind, behind that uh, if they trade back. But there is, and Evan brought this up, you know, there's so many good – players that because they didn't play last year, Gregory Gregory Rousseau uh, from the University of Miami being a prime example, you know, wasn't able to get um, the tape out there of himself and for teams to really see what that growth was like um, from the year that he had in 2019 to 2020, because that's a huge part of an evaluation is, all right, where were you in 2019 and where were you in 2020 Uh, from one year to the next? Are you getting better? Are you getting bigger? Uh, are you getting playing smarter? Uh, are you uh, staying standing pat? Are you taking a step back? You know, um, it's just an invaluable tool to be able to have that um, visual knowledge and understanding of actual game footage 
to be able to look at to say, okay, this was where he was in 2019 and this is where he is in 2020. Um, and you look at a guy like Javon Holland, uh, the, the uh, safety from Oregon, the same thing with him. He was arguably the best safety going into 2020, but there was no 2020 for Javon Holland. So there's no tape of him uh, playing. We don't know if he grew as a player. We don't know if he stood pat uh, as a player. We just don't know. But if you watch him play in 2019, my man can play. And uh, so I wouldn't, uh, you have to also be careful of that. Don't overanalyze it. And just because you don't have a 2020 body of work uh, to overthink it and, and, and pass on somebody that might be really, really good. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonchenor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the day before the month of the NFL draft. We're in April, you guys. Talk to you on the other side. 